going to go to Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 28. Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 28. This is the words of Jesus. He said, it was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating, they were drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this the day the Son of Man is revealed. And on that day, no one is on the roof of his house with his goods inside shall go down to go get them. Likewise, no one in the field shall go back for anything. You're not getting anything back, he says. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life, preserve it. Holy Spirit, I pray you speak now in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. As we go to the third part series of the strategies of Satan, I want to start off by telling you this story, something that happened to me. I'm kind of afraid to share it because I believe that sometimes when I'm preaching, this comes to mind and I remember things. And my mom, and find, my mom finds out, and she's like, that happened to you, you almost died, and whatever. So mom, I'm sorry, let me pre-apologize for something that happened to me. A few months ago, I was diving. You know, you guys know that I love to scuba dive, and I was diving with a, with a friend. Um, and as we were, we were diving, we were way in the bottom. And when you're in the bottom of this ocean... You really can't see the top anymore. There comes a point that it gets a little dark. You don't know which way is up or down, left or right. You're just there in the bottom. And one of the things that I have at all times, it never leaves me. It's my lifeline. Is this compass, this very compass. It's been with me for years. And it's a dive compass. And this compass helps me to navigate. So that I don't have to think about where I'm going. I don't have to assume I'm on the right path. This compass shows me exactly where I'm at. And as long as I look at the compass and I see that it's aligned the right way, I know that I'm on the right path. But this particular day, I got to be honest with you, I was distracted. I was caught up in the beauty of everything I was watching and everything that was all around me and And I didn't realize this terrible mistake that can cost you your life. So small, this mistake that I I beat myself when I think about this. But I had set my compass two degrees, two degrees off. And you're thinking, two degrees off what? See, every compass has what we call a fixed line. And a fixed line is is two red lines. Two red lines with a black arrow in the back. And that stick, that little line, helps you understand whether you're in the right course or not. 
And as long as I stay between the line, as long as I stay center on the line, I know that I can come back to my boat. But see, that day, I was just off by two degrees. Just two degrees off. And because I was off two degrees, I thought I was on the right path. I thought I was on the right direction. And it was only after I surfaced to the top thinking I was right over my boat that I realized my boat was the opposite direction over four miles away. And the current was against me. And I realized this terrible mistake because as I looked at my compass, then is when I realized I was only two degrees off, little. But that was enough to set me off the wrong course and almost lose my life. Sorry, Mom. And I was thinking about this. Because you have to understand something about God. God, he has a fixed line. God has a standard. And it doesn't matter what the world says or what society says or what our culture says or what year it is or what time we're in. God says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. God has a fixed line. It doesn't change for anyone. But you see, God's standard, God's fixed line, perfection. We serve a perfect God that expects perfection. But the problem can be found in Romans 3.23. See, the Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, God's standard. See, if God demands perfection, in order for us to go to God the Father in heaven, we have to be absolutely sinless and perfect. And I want to know right now in this very church, do I have anyone in this church who meets that standard right now? Do I have any perfect, sinless People, show me your hands. So we have a problem now. If God deserves and desires his standard of perfection, the problem is we have all sinned. We have all fallen short. God's glory. So what happens is we went off course. With sin. Somehow in our distraction and in our sin and in our immorality and in all of our debauchery and in all of our wickedness. When Adam and Eve sinned, all of us sinned. When Adam and Eve sinned, sin came into the world and we were off course. The standard of perfection was now off. So now... Whether you have sinned a lot, whether you have sinned a little, because isn't that what we say? Well, I'm not that much of a sinner. And I'm not as big of a sinner as, you know. 
And I know that I've sinned, but, but it wasn't as bad as this sin. Do you know that God doesn't measure sin? It doesn't matter whether you have sinned a little or have sinned a lot. God says all have what? Sins. So you might say, well, pastor, I, I only lied. And I lied, but it was a little lie. Well, it was, it was, it was a sin. And pastor, I stole something small, but if you stole something small, you're still a thief. Well, pastor, at least I didn't even, I didn't murder someone. Well, the Bible says that even if you speak ill of someone, you've committed the act of murder. See, God says it doesn't matter whether you have sinned a lot or a little. It doesn't matter whether you think what you did was no big deal or not. The second you crossed off course, the second you crossed the standard of God's perfection, the second you got offline, out of line, you entered the realm of rebellion and sin and needed Jesus. See, that's where we're at right now. We have so many people who are off course. And I'm not talking about your personal lives and your physical life. I'm not saying that, oh, you're off course with your finances. I'm not, you're not off course in your marriage. You're off course with your children and your health is off course. None of that matters when you die. What I'm saying is there's a lot of people that are off course with Jesus Christ. You are not saved. But pastor, I'm not that bad. I'm here today. But you might be just a little off. But a little off is enough to get you so far from God. I was only off two degrees. So it didn't matter whether it was two degrees, ten degrees, or thirty degrees off. I was lost. So no matter who you are today, no matter where you've come from, no matter what your grandmama did, she was a great godly woman, great. If you have sinned, you have fallen short of God's glory. If you have not repented of those sins and turned to Jesus, you're going to find out when it's too late you were off. Jesus looks at all the people. In Luke 17, he looks at everyone and says, you know what you guys remind me of? You guys remind me of Sodom and Gomorrah. Folks, Sodom and Gomorrah was the Miami of my Bible times. I'm serious. When I read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, I say, man, I just have to go to Ocean Drive and I can see this. Sodom and Gomorrah is like Miami. The Bible says that God couldn't find one righteous person. That word righteous means to be in right standards with God. 
So God says there was no one in Sodom that was on course. They were all off, living ungodly lives, wanted nothing to do with the Lord. And they were prospering. They weren't suffering. It wasn't like they were in agony, suffering, getting sick and dying. No, when you read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, they were happy. Man, because sin is awesome. It's great. It's a party. So the people were far from God, wanted nothing to do with God, and they were busy. They were living immoral lives. They were living in sin, didn't care. They were all about money and prospering and building homes and and having this great city. And that was the city to be at because in Lot's view, the Bible says when he looked at Sodom, he wanted to go there. And a lot of us in the church, you might be looking at the world right now and said, man, I want to go there because they don't look like they have trouble. They don't look like like they're going through a lot. I'm here serving God. I'm here in church. I'm here praying. I'm here trying my best, following Jesus. But look at everyone over there. Every time they're not even in church and they're getting promotions. They're getting houses. They're driving the nice cars. Their families are getting along. They're having fun. I look at their life. I look at their social media. I look at everything. And it's like everything's perfect for them. And Lot himself wanted to go to Sodom because it looked good. Let's be honest. The world looks good. Oh, it looks better than church sometimes. It looks better than worship sometimes. Sometimes being in the world seems better than just on your knees praying. But see, Lot didn't know that that very world he was wanting, that very world he wanted to come into. Was on their way to be burned. Was on their way to destruction. That's why it breaks my heart when the church wants to be like the world. When churches look more like worldly concerts. When, it, when, it, when churches try to develop worldly methods to reach the lost. Don't we understand that we're desiring the world that God is going to destroy? And so many of God's children are saying, man, if I can just be in the world, if I can just try the world out, if I can just go, it'd be so much better than church, so much better than the Bible. But Lot didn't know that judgment was coming. So every time you walk through Ocean Drive, Every time you go on Facebook and see the parties. And every time you see the wickedness and immorality of man. Just play this to mind. Judgment is coming. And when judgment comes, where would you be? Standing with God. They were busy. 
Oh, Sodom was busy making money, prospering, building. But those people of Sodom, they had no idea that it would all end. I know you're busy now. I know you got a lot going on. A lot of distractions. But do you realize that all of this is going to end? And everything that's pulling you away from Jesus is not going to matter when you're dead and in eternity. The people in Sodom had no idea. But James did. James chapter 4, verse 13. He says, I got to break this down. He says, now what? Listen. Why did he say listen? But he said, listen when? Now. Now. Not tomorrow. Not next week. I want you to listen now. You listening? You who say today, tomorrow, we're going to do this and we're going to go to that city and we're going to spend a year there. Come on, show me your hands if you're a planner. Any planners in the house? Get it all figured out, don't you? Oh, gets me sick every time. I have a five-year plan. <laughs> Seriously? Or <laughs> this one person, I have a vision board. And I cut pictures of what I want my life to look like. We think, why do we do this? Because we never think about one thing. The reality that 100% of us are going to die. No, no surprise? You know why you're not surprised? Because you already know that. He said, listen, all of you who say today, tomorrow, we're going to go do this. We're going to go down to the city. We're going to spend a year here. We're going to do this. I'm going to take a vacation. I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to go on the cruise. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. We should try this out. Hey, why don't we do that next year? Hey, you want to have dinner tomorrow? Nah, let's do it next week. Let's go next week. No, I can next week. Let's do it. Maybe in two days, because next week I'm doing this. Well, I'm doing this next week. Let's move it over. Let's schedule. All of us are planning tomorrow. And God says one important thing. Why? You get what God says? Why? You don't even know what tomorrow's going to bring. This verse brings so much conviction. We don't know. You know, two weeks ago, it was a, it was a Saturday afternoon, and it was on the way that Danny and Frankie were on their way to their cruise, and I, I decided to go to the beach to say bye to Danny. I'm not going to lie. But I was also at the beach with 
surfing and having a good time. There were waves that day. And I have a friend. His name's Chris. And Chris and I were talking. And Chris has two beautiful daughters. And he was just telling me about his life and his business and his success. And we were just laughing. And he was telling me about his plans. He was saying, oh, me and the family, next this October, we're going to go over to Puerto Rico. And I want to teach my kids to serve. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. Three hours later, Chris got a heart attack and died. And I was the last person he was talking to. My age. See, we're, we're planning. Not knowing that God, he's there saying, you don't know if tomorrow's going to come. So then he asks this other question. What is your life? Come on, answer that question right now. What is your life? Well, my life is money. My life is success. My life is pleasure. My life is dying with the most toys so I could win. My life is being the best. What is your life about? God answers it. You're a mist. You appear. For a little while. And then you vanish. That's you. The word vanish means to just disappear like you never existed. Oh, they'll talk about you for a little bit. They'll cry about you and memorials and all that. You realize there's going to come a day in your life no one's going to ever know you existed. No one's going to think of you. No one's going to talk about you. No one's going to remember you. It's kind of like, like a bouquet of flowers. Someone gives you flowers. You're like, oh, whatever, beautiful. <laughs> Realize how stupid that is? All the single, bitter people are like, yeah, stupid. <laughs> but I want you to think about this. If I would give you these flowers, they would be nice and beautiful and smell great and admired for maybe, what, a week? Maybe two if I pray over it. But here's the truth about these flowers. They're dying. The minute they were cut off from their root system, they were dying. The second mankind sinned, we were dying. The second you came out of your mama's womb, you were dying. All of us right now are dying. All of us. You don't need to wait to be old and really old to say, I'm dying now. You don't have to wait for a doctor to tell you it's terminal to say, I'm dying now. Let me tell you, let me save you all the trouble. You're dying now. Right now. You're dying. 
And for a moment, you have a beautiful life and people admire you and everything is great. But there's going to come a point after time, you're just going to wither and you're just going to die. And those flowers will be forgotten. That's why God says you're going to vanish. In verse 29 of Luke, Jesus says, but the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down, which is the picture of hell. But notice Jesus says, but the day. See, that part gets me every time I read it. The day. Do you know that all of us have a day? All of us have a day. Sodom and Gomorrah did it. They woke up that morning, business as usual, planning and building and money and pleasure and all that. They didn't know that that very day they would die. The rich fool in the Bible, God says, don't you know today your life will be demanded of you? All of us have a day. I thought about this because you know that a few weeks ago, I went to a a preseason dolphin game. Got to pray for those guys, right? Well, went to a preseason. A friend of ours gave us tickets and it was great. And it wasn't just any tickets. They were box seats. And I don't know if you know this, but box seats are awesome. I'm a nosebleed kind of guy. I'm used to sitting in the very top. I'm ducking airplanes and stuff. Hot and humid and people there. Nothing. Horrible. See, when I went to these box seats, it was comfortable. It was AC and all the food you can eat. And I was looking at all the peasants up there. I was like, oh. <laughs> Can I be honest? And I was enjoying it. It was great. But the entire time, one thing was happening. It was a clock counting down. And when the clock hit zero... The game was over and an announcement was made. Be safe on your way where? Home. You realize right now, and each and every one of us, there's a countdown. Man, your life is great and you're doing a lot and you're, you, you're just successful and whatever and every, but the clock is counting. For each and every one of us. And when that clock is over, God says, it's time to go home. Because this life here on earth is not our home. Our home is wherever you're going to spend eternity in. It's almost like when I flew first class for the first time. 
And it was Danny's ticket. He, he had a problem with the seat. They upgraded him, but I convinced him somehow to let me have it. I used my evil twin powers. And I said, Danny, just, you should give it to me because I love to take this time to be with the Lord and, and pray and, you know, and I need to become... And Danny's like, okay, you know, you know, Danny. Man, that was awesome. Blankets and juice, all the juice I wanted and movies for free. And I was a recline. You know they recline your feet too? And I look back at all the peasants again. But I realized it all ended when I made it to my destination. See, one of the strategies of Satan is to get you so distracted you don't think about what destination you're going to. He wants you to be so caught up in this life with pleasure and money and success and friendships and relationships and everything that you don't stop to think my life is going to end one day. You don't stop to think that everything might be great right now but it's not going to last. One day I'm going to go home. Where is that going to be? And one day I'm going to reach my final destination but where is that going to be? See, that's why Jesus says on that day, the fire came. All of us have a day. And see, one of the strategies that Satan loves to do, distract you. To get you so in love with this life that you won't lose it. I'm not going to give up this life. No, I don't want to follow Jesus. I want to be all about me. My life. This is my life. This is my pleasure. This is my desire. But it's going to end. See, a few days before the day came for God to bring judgment about Sodom, God gave Abraham a chance to go to Sodom and and warn the people. And Lot got word of what God was going to do. And Lot went everywhere he could to evangelize. To tell them, you need to get out of this. This is all going to end. The fire is coming. I'm here to tell you today, the fire of hell is real and it is coming. And the Bible says, Lot went out and spoke. See, that's your job today. If you're a born again believer, who knows? You're on your way to heaven. God's not done with you yet. You need to go out and speak to others about Jesus Christ. Family members. He went to his son-in-laws who were pledged to be married. (laughs) That wedding never happens. He said what? Hurry! Don't wait another day. 
Don't wait another opportunity. Don't wait to get it all out of your system, whatever that means, to go to Jesus. I'm telling you today, hurry. If Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, make him the Lord of your life today. And you hurry and said, get out of this place. The Lord wants you out. Calling you. Lot said, because the Lord is about to destroy this city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. Meaning, they laughed. Do people laugh at you? When you tell them about Jesus? They laughed. They mocked. They didn't think he was, he was serious. And maybe that's you today. I'm telling you now about eternity and hell. I'm telling you about a life without Jesus. And inside your mind, you're laughing at me. You think I'm crazy? You're making a joke of it? But the day that the fire came and their lives were destroyed, that was the day they thought and knew without a doubt, it was no joke. Eternity is not a joke. And one day you will stop laughing at God and mocking him. And you will realize every opportunity you had because there are two things they knew without a doubt. It was serious. It was not a joke. And the other thing they realized, I had the opportunity. And I chose not to listen. And on that day of judgment, many people will not only stop laughing at God, but they will recognize and realize every opportunity they had to make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. You will remember every friend that spoke to you about Jesus. You will remember every invitation to church. You will remember every sermon, every altar call. You will remember also the excuse and the reason why you didn't go. Why the Bible says today is the day Salvation. This is the day. Because they did not have tomorrow. And tomorrow is not promised to anyone. But the people I'm most worried about was the one that Jesus was most concerned about. Notice when Jesus spoke about Sodom and Gomorrah, he never mentioned Lot's son-in-laws. He mentioned one woman, Lot's wife. And I said, why did Jesus not mention the son-in-law? That Jesus, if I were writing your book, I would have dropped that in there. 
He said no. Because Lot's wife represents what the majority of hell is going to be filled with. Genesis 19, 25 through 26. The Bible says, thus he overthrew those cities, the entire plain, including all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back. She looked back. And she turned into a pillar of salt. Why did Jesus say, hey, remember, remember that woman? And it made sense. Did Lot's wife know about the judgment coming? Yeah. Did Lot's wife know about God? Yeah. Did Lot's wife leave Sodom? Yeah. See, there's a lot of people that know about God, know about judgment. They even look like they're saved. Because for a second, if you would have looked at this woman and she's getting out of Sodom, you say, oh man, that's great. She got rescued. She got saved. Do you know that she never got saved because she couldn't let it go? There's a lot of people that might look saved, but they're not. And even though they left Sodom, Sodom never left her. So even though you're in the church and you're reading your Bible and you're praying, you never left your sin. You've never left the world. Oh, you look saved. But you're not. When I was diving and, and I was off two degrees, did you know I thought I was okay and on the right course? But it wasn't until I surfaced that I realized how off I was. Do you know how many people are here today in the church all over America that think they're on the right course, that think they're saved, they think they're okay, but after it all comes to surface and they die and they're in judgment, they're going to truly recognize how far from Jesus they really were? But only that by then, it's going to be too late. See, my greatest concern as your pastor is that some of you are here today. You listen to me preach. You sing the worship songs. You know a lot about Jesus, but you're not really saved. I believe that one day when it comes to surface, you're going to realize you are always far from God. You might have looked saved, but you weren't. Because the world never left you. Because you truly never left it. You just added Jesus to it. Are you getting this today? You're just partially committed. You know, a lot of people don't know. That's going to surprise you. I know Donald Trump. I know he was born in 1946. I know he studied economics, had his bachelor's on it. I know he's been married three times. 
I know he has five kids. I know him. I really do. How do you know the president? I Googled him. But you go to Donald Trump right now and say, hey, you know Pastor David Pereira? You know what he's going to say? Who? Get out of here. Who? Who? He don't know me. Matthew 7, 21, Jesus says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Verse 22, he says, many will say to me on, can we finish that sentence, that what? Day. The day of your death. You're going to say, Lord, Lord. Didn't I prophesy and speak the word of God in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And you know what Jesus says? I'm going to tell them without remorse, plainly, I never knew you. You see, that's a Greek word that means gnosko. Gnosko, there's two words for the word no. There's gnosko and odia. And that word gnosko, means to know someone out of a relationship. But Odia means to know someone out of information. I don't have a Gnosko relationship with Trump. I have an Odia with him. I have information about him. I can tell you about him, just like you can tell me about Jesus. You can quote me the scriptures. You can say all these religious things. But it doesn't mean you have a gnosko with him, that you have a genuine relationship with him. And I'm concerned for our church that there are many of you who have an oilia with him. But not a gnosko. Not a relationship. And maybe you're like Lot's son-in-law. You're just distracted. But the day came and they recognized it was real. And I had every opportunity to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. I just mocked it. Well, maybe you're going to be Lot's wife and you're going to look saved and act saved and know God but truly never commit to following him. And you're off course right now. But you think you're on course and okay. And the only reason I preach this message today is because today, that's someone here listening online. See, Lot was different. In 2 Peter 2, 6 through 7, the Bible says, condemn the city of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes. 
and made them an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly. Think about that. But here's the good news. But if he rescued Lot, righteous man, who was distressed by the filthy lives of the lawless men, But if he rescued Lot, as I close, I want to just bring this to your mind. You might be saying, Pastor, I feel like I'm in that stage of Lot's son-in-law. I'm just rejecting all this. Or maybe you're saying, Pastor, I'm in the stage of Lot's wife. I'm I'm committed to coming to church. I'm looking like I'm saved. I, I know a lot about God and everything looks okay, but the truth is I've never left my sin. I've never left my world. I, I've never left. The only thing different is I just added this Christianity stuff to my life. And what if I am off course? What then? What what if I think I'm in line, but I'm really just off? And when I come to surface, I realize God is so far from me because I never truly got born again. But the Bible says he rescued Lot. A righteous man. A righteous man. And that word righteous means to be in right standards with God. So yeah, Lot was in Sodom. He was in Gomorrah. He was around all the filth in this world, just like we are today. But even though we're in the life of sin, even though we're in this dark world, today you can become righteous and in right standards with God. And he said, Lot, I see you. And you're a righteous man. And because you're righteous, I'm going to save you. And I'm going to rescue you. And I don't care who you are today. I don't care how far from God you are. If you call upon the name of Jesus, he will come to your rescue. No, Pastor, how? I'm not perfect. Neither am I. You'll never be perfect. But I know one who is. His name is Jesus. Who chose to be sin for us. Who died on the cross for your sins. Who rose again from the dead. And the Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short God's glory. I want you to understand something. The Bible says 
we become the righteousness of God through Jesus. Jesus steps in on your behalf so that when God looks at you, he actually looks at Jesus in you and sees perfection. He can rescue you today. See, the, one of the strategies the devil loves to use is to convince you God can never rescue you. You're too much of a sinner. You're too much of a failure. You're too much of a hypocrite. Just leave it now. But the Bible says, if I can rescue Lot, I can rescue you. So there I was, sitting in the, floating in the middle of the ocean. Can I tell you the worst feeling in the world? Feeling this current against you. And you're fighting it. And I could see the boat. I could see where I needed to be. And some of you, you can see where you need to be right now. You can say, I, I need Jesus. I need to get out of my sin. I need a change in my life. I need to be born again. I can see it. But no matter how much I could see my boat, I couldn't get to it. Even though I tried, I had no strength. See, many of us are trying to get to heaven. And you're fighting it. If I pray more and I light candles and I do mass and I tell a, a priest who's also another sinner about my sin, I can be saved. And if I'm a good person and if I work hard and I do this ministry and I do this and I feed hungry children and I go to hospitals and visit and I, if I do good and if I do good and I work and you work and you work and you never get there. Because the Bible says in Ephesians 2.8, it is by grace that you have been saved. Through faith. And it's not from yourself. It is a gift of God. It is not by works. So that no one can boast. So stop trying because Jesus did it all. There came a point I said... Lord, I can't do this. And my friend said, what are we going to do? And no answer. But then something crazy happened. Out of nowhere, a boat shows up. I didn't have to tell him anything this guy didn't come up to me and say it's such a nice day isn't it he sees me he sees my friend and he says there's a dive line pull divers out of the water and he says throws it, throws it, just waiting, he says, take it, 
I knew without a doubt I had to take it. Because there was no getting out of this. I couldn't do it. But I know that man on that boat had the strength to get me back to where I needed to be. What a picture of what Jesus is saying to this world today. You don't need to tell God anything. You don't need to tell him how bad you are. You don't need to tell him what a hypocrite you are. You don't need to tell him your pain. You don't need to tell him their loss. You don't need to say anything because he knows. And he's just standing behind this church right now. And Jesus is saying, just take it. You can't get to God the Father without me. Take it. You've tried. But you can't. But I'm offering you a rescue. And when I took that line, this overwhelming sense of peace came over me that I was going to make it. And I want to know today, do you have an overwhelming peace that when this world is over, you're going to make it? Or is there doubt? And as I held on, he just pulled me. Back. And I'll tell you what. I never got offline again as I check every time now. We all stand to our feet. You're here today. Every head bow, every eye closed. I'm offering you what God has already offered the gift of salvation and eternal life, the gift of forgiveness of your sins. Maybe you've rejected him, you've mocked him, maybe you look saved, but you know you're not, and today you want to be sure without a doubt, and you want to stop falling out of these strategies of Satan. Jesus Christ loves you. He died on the cross for your sins, and there is nothing in this world that can stop God from loving you. You just have to take it and surrender your life to Jesus. He will do the rest. If this is you today, I want you to come to this altar right now. The Bible says, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you. Don't you hesitate. The Bible says today is a day of salvation. This is the day. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Today, right now. And as he said to Sodom, hurry. Hurry. Make it. Don't you wait another day. Don't you be embarrassed. God is ready for you right now. You pray this with me from your heart. And if you're listening online or watching me right now, you pray this from your heart. You say, Lord Jesus. I'm taking it. Your offer of salvation. I know I'm a sinner. And today, I ask you to forgive me 
and I surrender. Rescue me, Lord. Save my soul. I'm yours now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give God a shout of praise right now in this house today. Come on. And if you're here right now, let's pray. Because I believe today there are many of you here who are saved. But there are people out there in your life that are drowning. And God has just opened up your heart to go out there and rescue them. You are someone. You are son. You are in a lot. You are a lot right now. And God is sending you to go to the lost. And preach Jesus to them. Father, for every family member, every friend, every soul that you've placed in our lives that are lost right now, give us the strength to evangelize, to preach your word in the gospel, bring them to church, do whatever it takes, Father. But let us be this light in the darkness to rescue those who, who need to be rescued as you've rescued us. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise today.